Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 52 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell. And today I am not joined by my usual co-host, Riley McConnell. He's dealing with a personal matter. We fully expect to have Riley back on the next episode. But today we're coming back with returning guest and good friend, Isaac Bass. Isaac, welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. I won't be giving as many puns, unfortunately, as <laughs> Riley, but I'll be doing my best to bring some uh, bring some good insight. Yeah, well... Um, Thank you for doing this. We appreciate it very much. And man, Isaac, the Blue Jays just went into Fenway Park and we got a sweep, a sweep. I should pull the broom back again like I had last episode. And uh, yeah, we did it. And man, wouldn't it be nice if the Toronto Blue Jays could just go down and play all their games in Boston? Because the Blue Jays have absolutely destroyed the Boston Red Sox this year. Yeah, you know, it would be... uh amazing if the yankee stadium was also built like boston stadium <laughs> where all of our right-handed hitters can have the benefit of a short field um unfortunately that's not the case boston uh is not a very good team and like yeah, this series they sat you know a lot of their guys that still with them they're not a very good team so uh it was a good sweep for sure. Happy about it. But uh, there are some things that I'm sure we'll talk about that you just can't do against the good teams. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly about it. We'll get into it here. Um, the Blue Jays in game one of this series, they won that game nine to three. Jays gave up a run in the second and then responded with an eight spot, all with two outs in the top of the third inning. We had multi-hit games from George Springer, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Matt Chapman, and Jackie Bradley Jr. Stripling won six innings pitch with the low leverage relievers able to finish the job in this one. Game two, the Jays win this game three to two in 10 innings. The Jays gave up two runs early off a home run, but then got single runs in the fourth and the fifth. The Jays managed to get a go-ahead run in the top of the 10th off a George Springer double off the monster, and Jordan Romano stranded the ghost runner at second base, earning his 27th save of the season. And game three, the game that happened yesterday afternoon or yesterday evening, this was a wild one. The Jays won this game six to five, also in 10 innings. Uh, The Jays escaped separate jams of a runner on third with nobody out, and then bases loaded with nobody out to secure the win. Jordan Romano on a second day of work went uh, two innings pitch to get the win and the save. I think he just gets credited with the win, but good stuff from Jordan Romano. We had multi-hit games from Vladdy, Bobachet, Matt Chapman, and Danny Jansen, including a home run from him over the monster. So where we stand after the sweep of the Boston Red Sox, the Jays are now 68 and 55. We're still in third place in the AL East. We're eight games back of the Yankees. Um, we're currently in the second wild card spot. We're just half a game back of the Tampa Bay Rays and a full game up on Seattle with 39 games to go. So Isaac, how are you feeling about this so far? Well, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday because I'm a Leaf fan too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is such a, cool time in history that we get to be a part of i don't mean to sound like super i, I always try and be super positive on um <laughs> lisa and lads but even when the jays were losing a bunch yeah it's easy to say like this team sucks like boba shed sucks blah, blah blah that's just like our angry fan but in the end we have vladimir guerrero jr we have like an amazing three pitchers right now if burrios can ever get his shit together which you know fingers crossed and i personally think he can i know you think that he can eventually like those are amazing three pitchers for the foreseeable future like we have so much good stuff that we don't haven't been used to as jays fans mm-hmm. um and i start with a positive this is my negative how i'm feeling is there is no way we can get away with especially last night's game against the Houston Astros in the playoffs. You know, like there's no way bases loaded, nobody out that a decent team doesn't get one of those guys across to win the game. And like, we can give some praise to Romano. I know you want to talk about Romano in like a positive light, but like 
it was great that he got out of that inning for sure. But to allow it to get to that point was something where I, I am super interested in your thoughts because I know you're high on Romano for that. But for me, it was like, that's too much. It's too much too late. I mean, a lot of the damage from Romano to um, when he was in the 10th inning was both because the ghost runner. So when a runner starts on second base and mm-hmm. no one out, you kind of have to do play it a little differently. Um, he did give up two hits, I think, in one of the starts and he had a walk in one of the other ones. So, you know, he wasn't perfect. But uh, Jordan Romano, um, he has, what, 27 saves on the season now. And if you look at leverage index, no pitcher has been under more high pressure situations this year than Jordan Romano. So the fact that he's third in the American League in saves has been quite good. And he's just, honestly, he's had his velocity dips at times, yeah. And maybe his ERA is slightly higher than uh, it has been in years past, but he's still been an absolute dominant closer. And I just want to go back to the Red Sox with their uh, guys on base there. The statistics show when you get a runner on third base with one with nobody out, sorry, that runner scores 83% of the time. And then with bases loaded and nobody out, um, a run scores 87% of the time. And the Jays run the better luck of both of those twice in this series which is absolutely nuts that uh, I don't whether it's just good luck or I don't know what it is but the fact that the Jays were able to escape those without giving up runs was honestly the difference in us getting the sweep and uh, yeah it was great to see Mm -hmm. and you know like the clutch gene in George Springer is just it's nice to have of all the hitters and I don't know if you agree of all the hitters even Vladdy if there's a chance a high leverage situation in the ninth inning 10th inning george springer is the guy that i want up to the plate and that's even above vladdy Mm -hmm. i honestly think if you were to go through the blue jays hitters right now and you were to rank them in terms of like confidence you feel at the plate if springer's not number one right now he's probably number two and like even he's been red hot since coming back from his uh his injury there his elbow problem but even on like the at bats where he gets out like you can still see he's taking really good hacks at the slider he's still like when he misses his pitch or he fouls it straight back, he knows he just missed it. Like even though George Springer hasn't played a lot since the all-star break, he still feels like he's locked in and he still feels like the most dangerous person in this lineup. Yeah. And, and I heard someone on the broadcast, I think it was yesterday talking about how since he's come back from his elbow issue, he's taken a lot more controlled swings, which has led mm-hmm. to like more bat on balls picking his spots. He's not going for his power strength swings anymore because he might not want to aggravate his elbow as much. And that's leading to him getting the ball just in. And as a leadoff guy, well, and, and and I mean, pitchers are still going to know this guy can hit it out of the park. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like he's just a contact guy like Whit Merrifield used to be, you know, like he's going to be someone that can do both, but right now is taking such a smart approach to the plate that like, I'm never afraid. Kirk was like that early in the season. I'm never afraid when he comes up to the plate. And not only that, with George Springer, too, um, he's also being quite patient. He had six at-bats in the Game 3 finale here, and he had three walks as well. So if pitchers just aren't going to attack the plate, George Springer's passing the baton and doing that, and that's exactly what you want to see out of one of your best hitters in the game. Uh, But moving on from George Springer, I do want to talk about another bullpen performance that the Blue Jays got here. And uh, Isaac, that's your namesake, Anthony Bass. Uh, Any relation there? You related to Anthony Bass? uh, I wish, man. He is bald like me. So, (laughs) you know, there could be some deep, distant relation. He doesn't have a a beard like me. But uh, no, I... I know we're going to get into a little bit more on the bullpen, but I I've loved this guy since he started uh, his pitch selection, um, how calm and collected. He reminds me of uh, him and David Phelps are obviously the older guys in that, but mm-hmm. the, both those guys, they just like seem like they're super composed every time time they come up. Um, and that's something that comes with, with age, right? 
Yeah, we've talked about Anthony Bass when uh, the Blue Jays acquired him. And uh, this guy is just, he almost looks like a completely different guy than what the Blue Jays had in the 2020 season. Uh, he's got a massive strikeout in game two in the eighth to stop a run from scoring. There was second and third with one out, I believe, when he did mm-hmm. it. And then he had a similar appearance in the finale of the series as well. And since the trade, the, he's thrown nine and two thirds innings pitch and has only given up one earned run. That's an ERA of, I think it's what, point point six point seven something along the lines of that. So... My question for you is, we know that these bullpen guys are going to be so relied on in the postseason because starting pitchers don't go as much and you really rely heavily on your bullpen. Where would you slot Anthony Bass in the hierarchy of the Blue Jays bullpen as it currently stands? I'm going number two or at least tied for number two with uh, Yumi Garcia. Mm -hmm. You? I've got, well, Romano obviously is the closer, right? I'd actually put Bass second. I believe mm-hmm. in Anthony Bass just a little bit more than Jimmy Garcia. Jimmy Garcia has been amazing this year. We've talked about him frequently, but he is susceptible to the odd blow up every now and again. He's had about three or four this year where it just hasn't gone well. But aside from that, Jimmy Garcia has been dominant. He's still one of our best relievers. I would put Anthony Bass higher just because his numbers with the Marlins and now that he's continued with the Blue Jays, I think he is an excellent eighth inning setup man. And I feel like he's going to work his way into just more high leverage situations with this team. Um, Going through the rest of the bullpen, we might as well just finish it out while we're here. Um, There are our top three, Bass, Romano, and Jimmy Garcia. I would put Zach Pop fourth when he's here. Honestly, I really like the stuff from Zach Pop. Yeah, we love Zach Pop. Oh, honestly. And um, I still can't believe we sent him down. I get it. I get why they did it. But if you want to put out your best bullpen forward, Zach Pop kind of needs to be on this roster right now. But regardless, he's not here. So after that, we'll go David Phelps. I have next. Tim Meza has, hasn't looked the best since coming back from his injury, but you know, he's done it throughout his course of his career. And I think just getting further away from that shoulder injury, Tim Meza is going to be the guy that we expect him to be. And he's the only lefty, well, aside from Kikuchi in the bullpen right now. Um, Adam Simber would be next and Simber's kind of been the guy that uh, John Schneider has been throwing as the first man out of the bullpen. And he's, uh, he's been good. He's had a good season. He's got 10 wins for goodness sake, but he's like, he just gives up way too much contact. Right. And sometimes when the Babbitt gods are against you, it could be nothing against Adam Simber. He just doesn't have the swing and miss to put guys away in really tough situations. So I'd put him there followed by Trevor Richards and Yusei Kikuchi. And then how does the rest of your bullpen line up? Um, just to go to Zach Pop, Jesse, just because I know that you've had to, you've explained it to me, but a lot of people don't know why it's so obvious he got sent down. Do you want to quickly just go over, you know, why Zach Pop was sent down instead of someone like Kikuchi or Richards? Right. So Tim Meza was coming back um, from the injured list. Honestly, surprised hey, he came back so quick after dislocating your shoulder. But he came back and the Blue Jays were doing a numbered game. And the big, if you look at the spots on the bullpen where you send out your worst pitchers, one is Yusei Kikuchi, who has just been put there after being ticked out of the starting rotation. And John Snyder has said multiple times, we value Yusei Kikuchi. We still think he's going to be a good pitcher. We're going to give him into low leverage situations. And plus, honestly, I think that the Blue Jays are scared of Scott Boris. And if they send down Yusei Kikuchi, then Scott Boris is going to remember that and maybe not give the Blue Jays some uh, access to free agents and stuff later in the year. But that's just a theory. And then Trevor Richards is the other well-known candidate who probably would have been DFA'd, but he, um, but he still got two years left under team control. And if we've seen anything from Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro since they've taken over this team is they really value team control. And having a guy who's been good in the past and Trevor Richards, they couldn't send him down without exposing him to waivers and they would likely lose him for nothing. So I think they decided to bite the bullet, send down Zach Pop, where they still have all these guys under team control. And if there's another injury within the next week or so, they can bring Zach Pop back up. But 
it's a, it's a good bit of business from the Blue Jays, but at the same time, you kind of want to see your best players on the field down the stretch, especially when we're competing every day for a wild card spot. And Zach Pop is one of our best relievers. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and I mean, if uh, Anthony Banda is going to be picked up by a World Series contender Blue Jays, then Trevor Richards is going to be picked up by someone. So exactly. there's no way he he falls through. Uh, when it comes to my bullpen, I have pretty much the same, man, except I do have Simber above Mesa just because um, I know the it's I'm going skill wise, not necessity. And Mesa is obviously a higher necessity because he pitches left. But uh, I just have Simber because, you know, what, for the first two months of the season, if we didn't have Adam Simber being our eighth inning guy, we would have lost a lot more games because mm-hmm. he was amazing at the start. And that's just what I know that he can be. And I also have a I'm a, I'm a sucker for guys who like when they strike someone out or get someone out, they go crazy with excitement. <laughs> yep. I'm a huge yeah. sucker for that. And I love Adam Simber excitement. So I have him above uh, Tim Meza uh, and then obviously Richards and Kikuchi to finish it off. Um, Kikuchi, I still... Yeah, I'd rather him come out. Actually, here's a question for you. Would you rather Trent Thornton or Kikuchi to to come out of the bullpen? <laughs> I do say Kikuchi, but I think I'm the wrong guy to ask. I <laughs> okay, still, yeah, even yeah. after watching Kikuchi blow up time and time again, I still think there's a good picture in there. And uh, okay. it's getting harder and harder every time he takes the mound. But yeah. uh, definitely him. I'm done with Trent Thornton, man. He can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. One more positive before we get into some of the negatives that we saw in this series. Um, how about Matt Chapman in this series, man? Uh, defense will never slump. Matt Chapman made some great defensive plays in this series. Isaac, I'm sure you saw the double play where he went to his right. He fell down and he threw like the behind the back pass yeah, to yeah. Shed or whatever and turned the double play. I've never seen. Well, maybe not never, but I very rarely see a double play turn like that. And apparently he was practicing it too. Like whenever the Blue Jays would try stuff, he was doing things like this. And the fact that he was able to pull it out in the game with the confidence is great. In fact, if you watched the um, Angels race series and all over the series, their second baseman tried to do something similar where a behind the back play to start a double play. And he threw it about five feet over the shortstop's head and a run scored. So Matt Chapman was great there. And then I also want to give him credit for his play he made in game three with the bases loaded one out, Jordan Romano on the hill. A ground ball hit to him. Everybody was screaming for him to go home. Jordan Romano was screaming yeah. for him to go home. Um, Dan Schulman, the announcer, was yelling at him to go home. Matt Chapman has just the baseball IQ where he just touches third, fires across the diamond, gets the double play. We get out of the jam. And uh, I don't know if you've listened to the Red Sox broadcast on uh, that play too, but they were salty and yeah. they were upset. And just uh, thumbs up to you, Matt Chapman. Oh, and he also had... Uh, four more hits in this series and he's second yeah. on the team in home runs. So get on you, Matt Chapman. Didn't he, didn't the Red Sox guy say something like, and the blue Jays get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, bro, you got, you aren't making the playoffs. Just give up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, Matt Chapman is absolutely amazing. It always astounds me with guys like catchers, you know, third baseman that how much work they have to do defensively. And can, if they can still hit on top of that is absolutely amazing um and he has been doing that he's one of the guys where like it's a wonder to me that Bo Bichette is still batting closer to first than Matt Chapman is in the lineup but uh maybe we'll get to that uh yeah I I love this guy he definitely saved her up because yeah Romano was just like home 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 and mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. And he knew who was on base uh he knew he had the strength to do it there's another play too where I think it was last or the game before he got it looked off the runner at second 
to make sure that he didn't advance, held it for like even almost a second too long and threw it over. But that's just one of those things where like you don't hold him off that extra second and the guy takes third with one out in extra innings. So it's like little things like that. He knew who was running Mm -hmm. just super high baseball IQ and awareness, which you got to love. I wish I could be as good as Matt Chavin. Honestly, guy impresses me every day. Uh, two little mini thumbs up. I want to just, I wanted to give credit where credit's due. We talked about George Springer, 16 plate appearances in the series. He got on base nine times. This guy's really good. If you haven't heard about that before. And I also want to give a small thumbs up to Kevin Biggio specifically for a great defensive play after taking a ricochet off Laddie's glove to still get the ball at second mm-hmm. base, make the throw to first to get the out. And I also want to give credit to Kevin Biggio's base running. He was the ghost runner in the top of the 10th, a ground ball hit to shortstop. He read it off the bat. He ran he got the third and that way he was able to score on the ground ball to third base with a great slide coming home uh, I bet you 90% of base runners on this Blue Jays team do not advance on those bases and score that run so credit where credit is due to Kevin Biggio on the base running and uh, defense there just before you move on Jesse quick question for you mm-hmm. I've always wanted the guys with this with the little like bat up and they're like swinging it around you know is that a timing thing? Is he doing that to look cool? Or is there something in that that is just like going to make him hit better? Almost everything that a batter does in the batter's box is a timing thing. Or at some point, it just becomes routine. Honestly, he probably developed the bat wiggle to steady his hands in the minor leagues or something. I don't know what it was. And then he just carried it on going forward. There is some some people would say maybe if you cut that out, you could focus on your swing more. But I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want to change what got a guy good and made him get here. If the bat wiggle is what it took for Kevin Biggio to get here and to be a big leader, then yeah, he should keep it. Okay. It's hitting's hard, you know, and uh, anything, if your mind's thinking about something else while you're hitting, you're not going to be as a successful hitter. So, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moving on to some thumbs down. There were some negatives in this series. We don't have to touch on it much, but uh, the Yusei Kikuchi bullpen experience continues. And Isaac, I know um, Riley and I talked about last episode of what a typical Yusei Kikuchi bullpen appearance might look like. So the Blue Jays uh, brought him in with a seven run lead in this game. He faced six batters. He got two outs, didn't give up a hit. So that's good. But he also walked three. He hit a batter and only struck out one. John Schneider did say post game. They still aren't planning on demoting Yusei Kikuchi and they are still trying to find answers. But with this team fighting hard in the wild card space where every game matters, you have guys like Zach Pop, Matt Gage, Julian Merriweather, who looks like he's He's been mowing up hitters in AAA, and he looks like he's ready to rejoin this big league club. It's really hard to carry a pitcher who can only be used in blowouts, and we aren't certain that he can be effective <laughs> even when he is in the game. So, Isaac, let's get your take. What do you think we should do with Yusei Kikuchi? I mean, with that, you should just bring Reese McGuire back and put him as the eighth guy in the bullpen at this point because he's showing better stuff. He's not walking, guys. But um, honestly at this point in the year i'm okay with that with them leaving him up obviously i would love to see zach pop i hope they had the conversation with him sending him down where it was like look dude you're not our worst guy in the bullpen we're sending you down because other guys are going to get claimed and that he understands because i'd like to see this guy in a jay's uniform for long because he's relatively young too um and i i get it's not a hurt like you're playing professional baseball making millions of dollars you know like it's not like a hurt man hurt feelings thing but the other is like Nate Pearson, my boy, is also going to be ready relatively soon. I mean, maybe <laughs> he might hurt yeah. himself again yeah. on the mound. But don't hold your uh, Yeah, uh, I I don't mind him being up right now. But if he comes in, and I know we've said this all year, but he had a long leash on start starting pitching. I think he should have still a bit of a long leash on bullpen because you've put him in in bullpen and uh, blowout appearances, which we're, we're going to have a few because we play some bad teams coming up in the next month. Mm-hmm. That's okay with me to see if he can sort out his stuff at a major league level. 
But if it's like two more times where he comes in off the bullpen and it's like that, you just can't like you have to bring someone back up who can pitch meaningful innings um, and establish the order going into the playoff of where you're going to situate guys and times of the game. Right. So if you have Zach pop and you have a little bit more understanding of what he can bring, you can have the order that we just kind of made today of where you use guys a little bit more established. Cause right now it's like everyone, everyone, everyone Kikuchi in a blowout. There is not a chance you say Kikuchi is on the playoff roster unless he has a massive uh, like month 10 this season right. here. And he's yeah. just got to like when he throws balls, they're not even close to the catcher's target. And that's the thing. Like if he was walking guys, but they were still close, they just missed because the movement's so good. It would be a different story. You say Kikuchi is just lost right now. And uh, something's got to nib in the bud soon. Um, Isaac, really quick. We'll get through these next year. Do you have any concern about these players here? First was Teoscar Hernandez. He had a rough series. He let a ground ball go by him to the wall in right field to the run and get to third. He was also two for 14 in the series with eight strikeouts. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really have a lot to add, but are you concerned at all about the performance of Teoscar Hernandez this weekend? No, Teoscar's always been a bit of a streaky guy. When he gets on, he's on, you know, start of the year first when he got back from injury, right? And then mm -hmm. even a few weeks after he got back from injury was totally different Teoscar's. Him and Guriel are pretty similar in that, except Teoscar can hit it over the fence. Uh, I think I heard that he has the highest amount of errors for outfielders this year, though. I thought oh, I, I heard that. that yeah, I thought I heard that on the um, Sports Center highlights, TSN highlights. Sorry. Uh, so if that's true, that's a little concerning. You you kind of and and the issue also is that you know Kirk Jansen, but we might get to Jansen. I don't even know if you if he's he had a good good last game but overall in the playoffs is he going to be in your perfect lineup um i don't know in which case Oscar might be a guy that you you put as a dh because you can't afford to make those errors and if that's true that he has the highest out of any outfielder after being injured as well that's an issue uh, i don't see Oscar hernandez on this list but boba shett is uh, tied <laughs> for third with 15 errors which is the most in baseball uh, and i'm just going to look for Oscar hernandez really quick see uh, he's got um Ten, uh, that's a 10. He's got 10 outfield assists, which is good. And only four errors on this season. But if you probably prorate that over his playing time, it might look a little different. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Teoscar's a good part. Um, he's still going to be here for next year too. He's very capable of running into one, which we're going to need in the playoffs going forward here. And then um, do you have any concern about this player? Uh, Kevin Gosman made his start and he wasn't so great. Again, he went five innings pitch, nine hits, four earned runs, no walks, six strikeouts, but he still had 15 swinging strikes on 88 pitches, which is a, an elite rate for swing and miss stuff. The main concern here was his velocity was down in the start. He usually sits about 95, can touch 97. And in this start, he was, he got it back a little bit later in the game but was sitting pretty much 93 most of the start. And we know Kevin Gosman has been BABIP to death. His BABIP, um, I saw a stat on Twitter that it's like, it's been the highest since like the early 1900s of how high his BABIP is against him. And we've talked about that in the past, but are you concerned at all about Kevin Gosman in this start here? Well, firstly, Jesse, for, you know, 99% of people, can you explain what BABIP means? I think I know based on our conversation yesterday, but yeah. go for it. Uh, BABIP stands for batting average on balls in play. And it's basically saying that a once the ball hits the bat, the pitcher has no control over what happens over it. So it's genuinely a measure of defense behind um, Kevin Gosman, but the Blue Jays are fifth and outs above average. So I don't think it's a matter of bad defense. And it's just... BABIP, a good BABIP is the same as a good batting average. So obviously the higher the batting average, the worse it is for a pitcher against. And it's just, it's basically just a measure of luck. How many times are balls just dropping or finding holes against Kevin Gosman? And it's been by far the worst. And this, this measure tends to fluctuate a lot 
over the course of um, a player's career or a season is just a genuine, usually a sign of either really poor defense behind him or bad luck. And I would bet that it's uh, it's bad luck behind him. I will say though, Kevin Gosman's line drive rate has been quite high this year. In fact, it's the highest since he was bad with uh, Baltimore. And now line drives obviously produce the highest BABIP. So I don't know if it's correlation or causation or what it is, but uh, there might be something there. Maybe it's just the way Kevin Gosman goes when people do hit it. They just square it up better. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, super quickly for me, I think the epitome of Kevin Gosman's year was uh, yesterday when the ball was hit directly, just not even directly up the middle. So up the middle that Bichette and I forget who's at second base, both just missed the mm-hmm. squibbler that went into center field. The, it could not have been a p- more perfect to the millimeter place for that ball to go. That's kind of the epitome of Gosman. So I'm not worried because um, I think he has way more unreal starts than he has even mediocre starts and rarely will have a bad start. And even if Kevin Gosman in playoff has a mediocre mediocre start, that's still... That, 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 that's still what we're going to um, have to deal with because some of our starting other, other starting pitchers are not there. Kevin Gosman's still our ace. He is still my number one with a bullet, but he did give up hits in this game with exit velocities of 65.2 miles per hour, 78.7, 86.9, and 91.2. Those were all the hits that came in the second inning against him where he gave up two runs, and none of those are considered hard-hit baseballs by Scott Cass. So. Hope for more of the same. Luck's going to turn around. It's possible it lasts all season, but I'd expect bigger and better things from Kevin Gosman going forward. Yeah, 100%. All right, some quick news and notes here. Danny Jansen now has double digits home runs on the season, and he hit five baseballs in game three, 102.5 miles per hour or harder, including his home run in game three that cleared over the uh, Green Monster in Fenway that was hit 108.3 miles per hour. It's Danny Jansen's hardest hit ball of his career. And I saw this fun stat on Twitter that means absolutely nothing, but the Blue Jays are now 17-2 and two on the road when Danny Jansen hits a home run. So <laughs> any takeaways from that? No, I, I, Jansen's lost a bit of his uh, mystique with me that he had earlier in the season, um, almost to the point where, like, if it wasn't for his defense, I would rather Gabby Moreno up there. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, good for him. Uh, I'd like to see him go back to how he was at the start of the season, because if we get that version of Danny Jansen and we get Alejandro Kirk, who seems like he's turning a bit of a quarter, that's going to be a more scary lineup than we already have. Yeah, but I mean, five hits, all 102.5 miles per hour or better. Sounds Take like a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And two of them were ground outs for what it's worth, but yeah. three of them fell for hits. So that was a, a lot better. Uh, Tim Meza is back with the club. Zach Pop was optioned. We mentioned that earlier. George Springer is still dealing with his elbow injury, but it sounds like his return to center field might be happening as soon as this weekend against the Angels with John Schneider saying, quote, we're hoping in the next few days, it's a definite possibility. So that sounds like a whole lot of nothing, but it does seem optimistic <laughs> that uh, George Springer will be returning to the outfield here soon. And I wonder with that, if that means we can get Teoscar Hernandez, maybe a day off if Springer can go to right Maryfield or something can go to right field and they can uh, get that figured out there. Uh, Nate Pearson threw a bullpen session at the player development complex in Dunedin Wednesday, and he is returning a nearing a return to competition. And Taylor Saucedo, a guy we haven't heard much from April is scheduled to throw a bullpen session in Buffalo. And the plan is to throw two simulated innings. So, Isaac, any main takeaways from the news and notes there? Nothing too crazy. Uh, I'm I'm surprised we didn't get a Ricky Tiedemann update, but maybe he just hasn't pitched since the last one because I always like hearing those updates. Uh, it's nice to see all the – I totally forgot we had Taylor Sacito. <laughs> I thought we traded him, honestly. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my thoughts. 
All right, cool. Yeah, it'll be good to see Nate Pearson. I still believe in the talent. I think the Blue Jays are upset, too, that they've gotten a literal zero from Nate Pearson. I think their plans relied on Nate Pearson to be a better mm-hmm. pitcher. But I still love the upside. I know Riley doesn't as much. Um, but, I like, a guy throws 102, man. Let's like, prove him wrong, Nate. Yeah, honestly. Come on. Let's do that. <laughs> and one more news and notes. This weekend, the Blue Jays will be celebrating the team's 30th anniversary of the 1992 World Series Championship. Players expected to be there include Joe Carter, Mike Timlin, Pat Borders, Dave Steve, Todd Sotomayor, Devon White, Dwayne Ward, Dave Winfield, and uh, me. I think I'm going to be at that game. So I'm nice. really excited for that to get in my bomber jacket and be part of the uh, 30th anniversary of the 1992 team. That's awesome. That- With that being said, the Blue Jays are going to return home and open a three-game series with the Los Angeles Angels. The Jays are red hot. We're coming off a six-and-one road trip while the Angels just got swept by the Rays and have lost six in a row and are one and nine in their last 10 games. So, Isaac, I feel like the the core is set for a good series for the Blue Jays here against the Angels. The Jays are hot. The Angels are cold. We got to keep take care of business here in the series against the Angels. How do you think we're going to fare? Well, I'm going to pull out my inner Riley McConnell here and Mm -hmm. say the core is set for the Angels, but everything else sucks. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that we, you know what, Jesse, I think, as I'm sure you're going to agree, because your predictions, the last two series, since you started doing predictions, man, they're not far off. You you Mm -hmm. predicted like a three or no, you outlined the way that we'd get a four game sweep sweep against the Yankees. It almost worked. Yeah, I, I think you went two or three. Or three or three against the Red Sox. So I'm more interested in your prediction because if we're flowing with what you're saying, you're the one who's going to be outlining the sweep here. So outline a sweep for me. That's what I want to hear. I would love to, but I frankly do not think the Blue Jays are going to sweep um, the Angels in this series. Game one is going to be Mitch White against Reed Detmers. Game two is going to be Alec Manoa against Shohei Otani, and that's going to be a hell of a start there on Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon. Game three is going to be Ross Stripling against Tucker Davidson. Here's why I, I do not think the Blue Jays are going to get a sweep. The Jays' bullpen was worked very hard in the series against the Red Sox. I hate this. And with two extra inning games, we have to get a lot out of Mitch White in game one to kind of preserve our bullpen. Not only that, we played a night game yesterday. We had to fly back to Toronto from Boston and get in late. So I really don't think the Blue Jays are going to get a really long start from Mitch White in game one here today, which means our only real believers we have available might be David Phelps, um, Jimmy Garcia, Tim Meza, and Yusei Kikuchi. I feel like we're likely to see Kikuchi in game one of this series. And anytime Kikuchi pitches, that's like you're automatically down 2 nothing or 3 nothing. So um, I don't love the Blue Jays' chances to win game one. And the Jays are going to face two left-handed starters this series, too, mm-hmm. and Shohei Otani. And the Jays, it's weird. For how much right-handed thump they have in their lineup, they really don't hit left-handed starting pitchers well. Um, Bo Bichette especially has struggled against left-handed pitching, which makes no sense to me. Um, so I'm not optimistic that the Blue Jays will get a sweep. I'd say we probably lose game one. We're going to win game three. And then game two is going to be the deciding factor. Manoa against Shohei Otani is going to be a hell of a turn. I think if we lose this series, it'll be a problem. The Jays should win this series two out of three, but I'm not feeling completely optimistic. I mean, Bo Bichette should be good against left-handed pitching and should be able to pull a ball more than once every three <laughs> series is. But mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully that's something he grows into. Uh, well, I didn't like that outline of how we're uh, how we're not going to sweep. So are you saying like we're going to lose two out of three here? I think there's a real chance we lose two out of three. Now, obviously, the Jays fan of me, I want to kick everyone's ass as we go and we can go in and we can win all three here. But uh, the logical fan in me says we might struggle game one. But uh, honestly, if the bats pick up and they go and they can carry this team to a win, that's going to change everything. So. Yeah. And I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays, who do not have nearly as good offense as us. They still 
swept the angels and they had Otani at the start of the series, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have faith. I have faith that Mitch white is going to finally go over five innings. Um, so that that's going to be my bold prediction is Mitch white gets at least five and two thirds or six innings uh, of work done because they need him to. And it, you know what? It's a decent time to try if he gets through the order twice with like no issues and then he can get past that first set you might as well have him ride out with the last six guys of the um sorry the last five guys of the angels order because they're not very good i watched the tampa bit the end of the tampa bay game the other day and i was like mm-hmm. wow he's yeah. not that good <laughs> it's not great that's why we need to catch them in the series here and then the standings and move past them so we don't have to go to the trop in the playoffs there mm-hmm. that'll do it that'll do it for episode here today thank you for everyone for tuning in make sure to like and subscribe and leave a five-star review on those podcast streaming platforms you know we're still a relatively small show over here but if you're one of our loyal listeners and you want to leave a review apparently that does really help the algorithm mm-hmm. and help new listeners find the show so if you could do us a favor leave us a comment like the video give us a review if you have time you'd really be doing us a favor on the show so thank you and uh yeah like i said riley should be back next episode here and isaac thanks again for joining us i'm sure it won't be your last time you appear on the show always nice to have you on yeah we're gonna be getting our leafs and lads started back up so any any leaf fans who want to hear us rant and rage we're gonna be finally uh displaying our emotions after that game seven loss to tampa bay so hopefully there's no game seven losses for the jays this playoffs we're gonna mm-hmm. win uh we're gonna win the whole thing that's my prediction it's not even bold we're better than every other team in the major leagues um if you're here to this point you're probably a jays fan so you might actually agree with me um if yankees fans are watching to this point no one likes you stop <laughs> watching this we don't need your comments or likes on this uh that's it for me <laughs> Perfect. 5.3% according to Fangraphs for the Jays to win the World Series. So I like it. Take those odds. One in 20 chance. We'll take it to the bank. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you again soon.